Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Country Music Made Me. Thank you so much for joining us once again. As always, please make sure you are liking, sharing, following, subscribing to us on whatever streaming service you are listening on. You can leave us a review, a rating, tell your friends, your family, your neighbors to come on over and have a listen. The support means the world each and every week to help us come back with new and exciting conversations. Today, we're sitting down with Kanan Cox. He has been an independent artist ever since moving to Nashville back in 2016. Now, at the beginning of 2020, things were starting to happen. Some new opportunities were forming, but unfortunately, with COVID, some of those opportunities disappeared as the year went on. And now in 2021, he's starting things back up again in the hopes of creating a successful country music career. One of the big opportunities that happened earlier this year was an appearance on the Bobby Bones show. Now he is hoping to take that and build on it to create new opportunities throughout 2021. So please enjoy our conversation with Kanan Cox. For you, as far as work goes right now, now that we're back into shows, have you been able to quit your serving job that you had to pick up during COVID? Yeah, I think I've picked up one shift after uh, the Bobby Bones thing, um, you know, because I worked there in 2016 and then I was able to, with music, get out of get out of that. And music was full time. And then during COVID, went back there. Um, so, yeah, with the shows coming back up, I haven't picked up near as much um, at all. I think, yeah, like I said, I think there's been two or like one or two shifts and that was maybe two months ago, three months ago. Awesome. And you mentioned Bobby Bones. What was that experience like? Like at yeah. first handing him that coaster in the restaurant with your name on it and then getting the call from him. Yeah. Um, it was a little bit surreal. little uh, for, like, I mean, I saw him, I was like, I'm pretty sure that's Bobby Bones, you know? And like I, on the show, I talked a little bit about, you know, seeing him and I just literally stood there. I think I stood there at the, like the register and I was like, what do I do? <laughs> do I do I do do I do something? Is he gonna hate me? Is he like who's this kid? Anyways, so I mean, obviously I did it, and then I didn't even think anything about it. I did it? Was like cool. Enjoy your dinner. Like I'm gonna go, and I didn't think anything more of it. I was just like, I'm just gonna go about my day. And then the next day, I was I think I was grocery shopping, and I got a you know Nashville number. Hey, this is a five months producer. We'd love to have you on the show. And called my dad immediately. I was like, dad, <laughs> guess what? And then. After that happened, and then they said that I was going to be coming on the show the next day to actually perform, cried immediately. Legit, like, I just stopped. And I was like, ah, and just cried. Uh, just because it's, you know, it's just a cool thing. Bobby um, is still um, doing some cool stuff for me behind the scenes and has lent his hand again um, in, some, in some cool things. Uh, and has probably have, has done more for me than he actually knows. Um, and it's probably just, it's literally probably one of the best things that's happened, uh, to me, uh, in, in the career, you know, last year, not to get too deep into it all, but I mean, uh, you know, 2020 was a really good year was supposed yeah. to be, uh, before COVID, you know, we had, you know, WME came on board and we had some festivals and we had some opening slots and then, you know, obviously COVID, um, yeah. so to be, to be still a, an emerging and, you know, independent artist now post COVID, you know, everyone's pretty much copy and pasted everything for their bigger guys. And so the developing acts are kind of, you know, 
not so much getting the love as they were before, which is fine. Like, I'm not saying that, oh, boo-hoo or cry. like, I understand it's business. Yeah. Um, so you're, of course, going to focus on your top performers more than, you know, uh, but there's certain things that you can do, you know, that I'm doing and the team's doing to kind of get back going for, you know, hopefully a, uh, some cool steps for 2021. Yeah, for sure. And you talked about calling your dad when you got the Bobby Bones show. Now let's talk about back in the day, the influence of your dad, the influence of your family. Now growing up in Hendersonville, I believe it is right. That's the actual place just so your mom doesn't get angry with you. I believe you always mention Asheville. (laughs) Yeah. I always say Asheville because everyone knows where it is. And then obviously, you know, in Tennessee, they also have a Hendersonville. So I'm always like Asheville, just a little, you know, north of Hendersonville. (laughs) So yeah, Hendersonville, North Carolina. And your parents were both musical, right? Your mom had more of a career in it. And then your dad was more of a writer within music. Yeah. So mom actually still, she picked it back up just doing like, you know, just for fun on the bar scene. Uh, I called her. I don't know, maybe a couple of weeks ago, she was like, oh, I'm not going to be there. Like we're, we're playing down in South Carolina. I was like, oh, cool. I didn't know. I picked it back up. So yeah, got my love for music was, you know, in bars and she would drag me around to certain things that I could get into. I remember Rocky Top was my song was like, that was the song that I played with them. And, you know, dad always had a guitar around and, and writing and stuff. And um, there's actually a couple that he's helped that are out that I've, you know, either sent to him or. I know there's a few that like him and I've written just completely all together. Um, and literally yesterday I sent him a text message and just said, I've got a song that I think you and I could really, you know, cause I know my dad's style. Like he's, he's very, you know, Conway Twitty, a little bit old school country, um, which is great. Um, so sometimes he, he likes to write the words, but he only knows about three or four guitar chords. So it all oh, okay. kind of sounds the same thing. <laughs> and I'm like, don't play anything to it. You write the words, I'll write the music and we can, create something that doesn't sound like it was made in 1954. <laughs> right. Um, no offense to pops, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, they definitely had a huge influence on the love of music, writing music, um, and just kind of the, the hustle and grind of, of it all, you know? And what age were you when you first started performing with your mom? Um, I mean, as early as I can honestly remember, I mean, there's times I performed in church and stuff like that, just singing or, right. well, you know, very small town, very small church, you know, like 20, 30 people in the congregation. It's like, all right, uh, I guess Canaan's going to get up here and sing a song now. And, you know, <laughs> just here is this hymnal. Um, so I've been performing for quite a while. And uh, it wasn't, you know, I, as far as I can remember, I was, you know, getting not drug around, drug around sounds like she forced me to do it. <laughs> loved it, loved playing. Um, and just uh, as early, yeah, as early as I can remember. And then it wasn't until probably college that it was kind of my own thing where I was like, oh, I'm actually getting paid myself to play somewhere, to play in this far. I had like a, went to college and then on the weekends would, you know, put some guys together and we'd just go play at the honky tonks around, around the town, so yeah. And college was sort of where you started writing. So as far as your dad's writing goes, did that influence you any when you were younger? Or was that something more that caught on after you got a bit older and in college and realized sort of what that meant? And that's when you started sort of collaborating with him. 
Yeah, it was probably after the fact. I mean, I know that they've done it. You know, my mom released music and CDs and I saw her in the studios and, you know, at it, back in home, you know, in Hendersonville. And so I grew up around it, but I never really put two and two together for myself. Oh, okay. um, it wasn't until like my freshman year of college where I wrote like my first song, I guess you would say. Um, and my best friend, he's still my best friend. Uh, he had a MacBook at the time, which I didn't have, you know, much of anything. And I was like, hey, man, I got this song or like I've got this. I wrote a poem for a girl in high school. And then I was just kind of messing around. And my roommate, I was like, dude, yeah, just put it to music and like just see what you can do with it. And I honestly, I mean, I'd probably give him credit for being like, hey, you should go do this thing. Uh, <laughs> I do always wanted to perform at some level uh, in, in the entertainment industry. Um, but it just seemed to be that, you know, writing and singing and playing. Um, it's kind of it just kept. Open, kept opening doors. So. Right. And when did the playing begin? When did you start to pick up the guitar? Was that before college as well? Yeah. Playing music and being in music was way, way younger. I picked up the mandolin when I was eight. Oh, right. Yeah. The uh, mandolin and the fiddle, right? Yeah. So um played the mandolin in like fifth grade. And then I actually started orchestra in school, in middle school. And I didn't know at the time, like we, you know, up in North Carolina, listening to like Ricky Skaggs, bluegrass stuff. And I, couldn't read music at the time. So it was all just listening by ear and picking it up. Um, and no one told me, so it was an orchestra. Like I went through the whole year of sixth grade. And then my teacher, I mentioned that I played mandolin. She goes, oh, do you know it's it's the same? It's the same fingerings. I didn't know that. I thought it was, and I was like, what? Like I've been here playing this fiddle like an idiot and I already know how to play this. And then just, <laughs> cool. Now the two click, here we go. Uh, so yeah, music was definitely, before the writing, um, it went mandolin, fiddle, guitar. Um, and I always kind of mess around on the piano. My grandma played piano. Um, so she would maybe sometimes just let me sit down and hit keys. I wouldn't say that I know how to play the piano. I could play enough to write a song and maybe impress a girl or something. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, cool. Watch me play this one song. Um, but nothing, uh, nothing that I would want to do in front of a huge crowd. So. And did you used to get in trouble in orchestra because you would sometimes go off script? Did I read that? Oh, yeah, probably. I, man, you've done your research. <laughs> you've done research. I'll dig it. Yeah, I uh, never been one. I, I don't know. Not like a rebel or like causing mischief and stuff or anything. But yeah, I don't know. If I ever heard some kind of cool lick that I wanted to, I would maybe sneak it in there if I could or if she wouldn't notice. Mm -hmm. Um, I definitely would learn the part and I could, you know, play it as it was written, but just sometimes, you know, especially playing the fiddle, which is a lot of sliding on the violin, at least, you know, right. um, so yeah, there was a couple of times where we would play these, you know, graduation ceremonies, or we would go and have to play, you know, Hey, we got hired for this ensemble at this fancy dinner thing. And we're playing like Paco Bell cannon or something. And all of a sudden you're just like, it sounds like Charlie Daniels is on the fiddle instead of <laughs> okay, and she'd be you know uh, conducting. She's like, Kaden, Kaden. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> so yeah, but I get that from my grandma. My grandma definitely. You could when she got on the keys, you know, playing Amazing Grace, and all of a sudden she just kind of bust loose in some blue sevens and some cool little fun stuff. And you're like, all right. I'm feeling it. So, so with your grandma and with your mom, who do you think is the first person to inspire the performance side of you 
and that sort of stage presence, which, which person do you think had the first influence on you? I feel like seeing my mom perform, I saw her perform more than my grandma. My grandma, obviously just, I just saw her play in church and stuff, which wasn't really like, here we are, we're doing this thing. Right. Um, so I'd have to say it would be, yeah, it'd have to be my mom. Um, but then I, I always talk about having a big family. You know, I have uh, right the uh, seven sisters and a brother. And I always kind of, you know, you, you never really know it when it's happening, but then you look back as you're older. And I always had, yeah, I always had an audience. And I just loved being like, hey, everyone gather around, watch this that I learned, watch this, you know, listen to this song that I learned. So I always kind of loved being the center of attention without it, you know, sounding like a, you know, a pretentious way, but just, I, you know, I always like to be, you know, the lights went off in the house and either it could have been music. It could have been, um, I love Jim Carrey growing up, still love Jim Carrey, like mask, the Grinch. Right. I, I think I know every single word to Aladdin. Um, and so I would just go and be like, Oh, cool. The power's out. Canaan get in the living room and entertain us. And I'm like, all right, everybody, here we go. Aladdin from the top. And uh, so a little bit of that, just a little bit of everything, um, you know, seeing my mom perform and sing, obviously, I don't think it took until later as far as the performance side, um, but just having the family to perform to. And then obviously getting into, you know, I saw my, one of my older sister did theater and I didn't, you know, you never know what you want to do growing up. And then I was in like fourth grade and she was in a play. And I, you know, I looked up you know, to her and I was like, well, I want to be in a play too. So then I started doing theater and then that branched into other stuff. And I think all of it just kind of builds on top of itself. Right. And now you were a big sports guy as well growing up and theater as well. So going into college, what was it that drew you mostly to wanting to take sort of the theater route when you got to college? Yeah, I mean, I loved football. I mean, I had offers from Ivy League schools. I had uh, Georgia Tech was a big one. Um, I was a running back and I got hurt in my sophomore year. I had uh, stretched my MCO. Um, so, I mean, I don't think that really had a big effect. I only had to miss two games and I recovered and then played for the rest of the two seasons and never got like hurt again um, right. dramatic, dramatically or anything. But I don't know. I just never really... Um, it was cool to go out to certain, to certain stadiums, you know, of, co of course, you know, Hey, we'd love for you to come out, check out the stadium, sit sidelines on the games. And we did that for a couple of schools. And I don't know, it just never really set with me as, oh man, I'm gonna go to the NFL. Right. Um, and so I don't really know what it was. I had that. And then there's also, you know, for theater, it's called like SETC, uh, South, uh, Eastern theater conference. And then there's UPTA's which is, it's basically cattle calls for, it's like the, it's like the NFL combine for college theater. So you oh, go okay. and you, so all of these schools are there and you get up and you have 90 seconds to basically do a monologue. And if you're, if you're doing musical theater, you do a song and then you have a dance callback later. So they see you all and then they'll teach you like a beginner intermediate dance routine and whichever one you feel more comfortable with, you go through and then, you go back to the hotel and then you have a number and then, then each school's like, Hey, we want to see number 42. We want to see, you know, um, wow. and, Quite a process. You go, Oh, it is. And it, yeah, it's crazy. And so then you're literally there and you go get your callbacks. And then I think it was in Memphis, um, at the time. So a group of us, um, went and we did our, you know, did all our stuff. And then, um, yeah. And then you hope 
that these colleges want to accept you into these programs. Not every school has, you know, a great theater program. So you got to be a little selective. Um, but Catawba College is where I went and it had um, a really good theater program. I also went to uh, Elon University, which they only accept 16 BFA the or musical theater students in their in their program, oh, which okay. I got into the I got into the program, but my SAT score wasn't um, the greatest at ah. the time. So they were like, "We love you. We just need you to retake the SATs and like get a little higher score." I was like, "Cool, awesome." Did it, but then by the time I had like scheduled it, Catawba College had already literally came to my school, talked to me, showed me their program, did everything they. They did. And then by the time I took the SAT, I was like, I don't even care. I know I'm going to Catawba. <laughs> so I don't even know what I made the second time. But um, yeah, anyway, I'm, I'm talking a lot. Don't mean to shut <laughs> that's, up at that's any That's okay. Point. Hey, it's your story. You get to tell it. Um, and so with going to school for theater, what was your end goal? Did you have something in mind when you started that of this is what I want to do when I graduate? Um, Not Really, at the time, obviously, you know, you're 18 years old, and all I could really think of is they're paying me money to go to school. Yeah, so you know, dad was like, I would love to go to school at the time. I think a little bit was almost going to school for my dad. I think in my freshman year, there was one part where I literally called him, I was like, I don't want to be here, and it's so dumb. And I honestly wanted to move. I remember it perfectly. I was standing outside of the theater building, and all I wanted to do, and we can get into this later because I'm sure it's maybe in your notes, but. I wanted to go to LA. I wanted to go to LA for film school. And right. at the time, you know, I'd just gotten there and my dad's, you know, best friend, love him. He's never been wrong about anything he's ever told me. And don't tell him I told you that. But, <laughs> uh, you know, had a good, dealt with a arrogant 18 year old at the time. Um, so stayed, but I didn't really know. I loved performing. That's all I knew. I was like, it's a good school. I love acting. I love performing dance, singing, the whole nine, you know, a little bit of everything. And even and music at the time, I liked to do it. But then there was another, you know, we had like a music program there as well, which was completely different from theater, but it's called the vernaculars. And so like they literally had classes on putting shows together, like bands. Oh, okay. So they had like country vernaculars, they had pop vernaculars, they had, you know, all this different stuff. Um, and they were doing this one show and this was like the highest tier. So like you went like your freshman year, you started here and you know, you got to the bigger bands. Right. Um, but I, this is going to sound so vain, but I was like, I could sing and play the piano kind of, um, and they needed someone for their show. So I kind of got thrown in with the big boys at, like as a freshman, um, which was completely different than the theater program. It's, you know, a whole different teachers, whole different vibe. Oh, okay. Um, so I was able to, to kind of double dip. And I think that honestly opened the doors to, to that, to like, you know, the student body was there and I'm sitting here on keys and there's lights and smoke. And I'm sitting here and it was, uh, we did the entire Dark Side of the Moon Pink Floyd album. Oh, okay. Um, so different completely to what I was used to and everything. And I, I remember spending hours upon hours upon hours, literally Googling piano chords because I didn't know it at the time. I knew how to play, kind of lied a little bit because I wanted to play with them. Right. And so I, was like, I was like, of course I can play the keys. But all the stuff, I was like, okay, what is the D minor seven look like? <laughs> Got it. Uh, but somehow played that entire album. Wow. Um, yeah. And so it was never like, I mean, if Broadway ever came or, you know, it was never like, I want to be on Broadway. Right. It was just, I like to perform if that's something that 
I find on the way, then sure, that'd be perfect. Um, but then music kind of took its thing, uh, met up with some producers and stuff that were in Charlotte who also had something to do with the vernaculars, which got me into, after we did the show, they were like, hey, we have a studio. Do you write your own song? And I said, I've started to. Um, and so we at the time went, wrote a bunch of songs, just myself and recorded them all. They all sucked. And um, <laughs> anyways, and then so it just all kind of, yeah, just everything was different. I mean, I still love to perform and at the theater level, but yeah, I never, there was never a part of me that was like, I want to go to school for musical theater to be on Broadway or like the same way with the NFL. I just think it all, I was at the right place. I was always at the, the place I needed to be when I needed to be there. And I was going to ask you that, about that music production in college, because I saw that you had a professor that had a recording studio and you got to record some stuff. And so when you got those finished products back, those finished songs, did that light a fire within you that you didn't know was there after hearing those and sort of hearing what you could do? Yeah, 100%. And I mean, at the time, I thought it was the best thing ever. Listening to it now, I'm like, ah, this sucks. So, you know, but at the time, um, you know, I was in college. My dad helped me out. They, we did a three-song EP. We did, they said three songs and they cut me a, you know, cut me a deal just because I was a student there and they worked there as well. So they were like, Hey, you know, we obviously have rates, but we'll just, we'll just do whatever. And so hearing a song that you're just, you know, in your dorm room with your guitar playing and then hearing it, you know, drums and bass and guitar and the whole nine it's yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty, it's a, a cool experience. And I definitely, after that went and we launched, or I wrote, like eight more songs and then released an album. Um, I think literally like the next year, right. like my sophomore, my sophomore year. Um, or no, it, we finished it. I remember that story too. That's a whole nother time, but we finished <laughs> it. Um, it was literally my baccalaureate service or however you say that at, at graduation. We had this whole ceremony at like 11 o'clock, but the producers were gone, but we hadn't finished the vocals. And like, I leave the next day we graduate and we're gone. Right. And college was like three hours away. So I was like, I need the keys to the studio. I need, uh, it was like a crash course on how to use Pro Tools. I was calling and I was like, hey, I'm in the studio. How do I get a new track open? Boom, record, would go and, and like sing the harmonies, come back, hip hop, new track, and finish the album myself um, at the studio. And then like ran to the chapel in my, gear i was like cool album's done let's get let's i'm graduating uh but yeah so hearing it definitely lit a fire uh to continue to do more and i saw that your debut ep when you moved to nashville a few years later you had recorded before you got to nashville and you re-recorded so is that that album that you recorded at the end of college that you re-recorded when you got to nashville that was from my second one so i had one it was called Guitars and Girls. It was horrible. It's gone. You'll never, ever hear anything of it. Only the like OG fans or like the original gangster fans will ever hear it uh, if they have the hard copies or if they download it on iTunes a zillion years ago. Right. Um, so then we released, um, I released about like three or four singles. But by the time I graduated, I went to Texas and performed at Six Flags. So in between contracts, I would maybe I'd go back and record when I could oh, okay. um, with, the, with the same same guys in Charlotte. And by the time that we had done that over a couple, I think it was like two years, I had already 
I done like four or five songs. And so I was like, if we can record just five more, I can just put all those on an album. Um, and I think that's when I maybe hit my stride a little bit on songwriting that wasn't garbage, you know, that was like, okay, cool. We got that out of the way. Here's some like, okay stuff. Like uh, Lie was on there, Coming Back. Um, the first, those five songs that are on the, the, the self-titled EP yeah. were all from that second album. Coming Back, Giving Up, Summer, Just Me, and Lie. Right. So when I, yeah. And so then I got to Nashville, did my thing and met some people instead of having to spend a bunch of money and re-record because we were, we had some momentum with some stuff going on. They were like, well, let's just kind of give these a Nashville polish. Um, and so we took those, polished them up, added some new things, recut some things. And then released that as an EP and took everything else down. Right. And so going into all of this music recording, like you talk about growing up with Seven Sisters. I know you've talked a lot about your sort of pop influence growing up. And so mm -hmm. when it came time to pick a lane, when you realize that performing music and creating music is something you wanted to do as a career, what was it about country that drove you into that lane? Yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely just where I'm from and what I'm singing. And even though I have like a pop influence, I don't necessarily think I have a thick accent, but I feel like if you put my stuff on pop radio, it'd be like, there's a few words on there that, you know, it sounds a little bit country. Right. So I didn't want to go, you know, too, too out of the realm. And I don't want, that's a whole nother conversation too about subgenres and genres of where <laughs> music is right now. Yeah. Um, but I just thought, I mean, especially too, I'm a very much a, a businessman like i think sure whatever sings and does this thing but i i on a business sense this is very much entrepreneurship um and i even had this conversation with one of my pop friends who's like pop pop and he's struggling and i was like well it's hard because i sing country i can go sing everywhere in the world or like everywhere bar brewery i can go and play a three-hour set and get paid money to sing songs right it's a little harder as a pop artist or an, uh, an R&B artist or someone else, when I can just go I'm like, hey, cool. I can play a three hour cover set, throw in some originals, um, you know, and that was back in the day, but that's, I've, I think it's harder to do. And so as a business, since I was like, country's paying the bills, let's stay in country. Right. Um, and that's just kind of what it was too. I had two albums and obviously Nashville is kind of the place to go. Um, and I honestly, uh, didn't really, I don't think I've had my voice in what I've wanted to do. Um, cause you're still green. When I even moved here, still writing songs that, you know, you were writing stuff that sounded like what was on the radio instead right. of writing stuff that what you wanted to. Um, and I think within the last year and a half, two years with things building and building the name and playing more shows where it is original shows and original songs and, you know, two UK tours you get a little bit more confident in, oh, instead of writing this, oh, this sounds like what's on the, like, no, I want to write a song. It's called Stilettos and has a horn section and it sounds like Justin Timberlake. Yeah. It's like, that's my, that's my jam. That's my <laughs> stuff. Was it the most popular song on Spotify? No. But at that time, especially during COVID, I think was, I think that's a hundred percent what that EP for me was, was a six songs of, you know, it's COVID. I knew that nothing really progressive was going to happen in my career as far as everyone just shut down. And so instead of being like, yeah, wait for everything. I'm just like, let's just do, and I already wanted to do it, but I, I it literally freed the reins 
uh, in the studio of being like, oh, that's not really, and that's not really, you know, country, or that's not really this. It's like, oh, cool. You want to start a song with a uh, violin pizzicato, stay home, you know? And now you hear that. And it's like, oh, Ariana, Ariana Grande's entire album starts that way. Right. <laughs> like, cool. Um, so as far as, yeah, as far as like finding country, just especially to what you're writing. And I just grew up with it you know, where I'm from, grew, you know, growing up and listening to it. But I think what I love about country music is the lyrics. I saw an interview back in, I believe it was 2018. And you hadn't really opened up as far as writing with others um, because you felt your music was really personal and you sort of had a struggle writing almost outside of yourself. Now, has that changed over the last couple of years? Have you done more writing with others in Nashville? Yeah, it's changed for sure. And I think a lot of that has to do with just finding myself as a writer. Um, because now I know in a right kind of what I bring to the table. And I think the more you do this, you know, or the more people you talk to about writing, I think everyone has their strengths and weaknesses. Um, and so I think doing them at first was kind of scary because you just don't know really what's going on. Um, what you're doing, you know, you don't want to get in a riot and everyone hates you or, or something like that. And then also too, I mean, I'm again, it goes to the business side and I really hone in on this a lot before. I love this town, but also I hate this town a little bit because when you get here and you're out there and you're mingling, shaking hands, I don't know how many times you go and I was like, Oh man, let's write sometime. Let's write. Hey, let's, let's, let's write. And you're like, dude, awesome. Let's write. And I'm, I'm very like, here's a notebook, my to-do list. I got to do this today, this today, this today. And so you'll go out there and like, how oh, cool, awesome, man. We'll write tomorrow at 11 o'clock. And then you get a text at 1049. Hey man, I was up till 3 a.m. downtown getting hammered. I'm going to have to cancel the ride. I'm like, awesome. I'm never going to talk to you ever again. Um, and so I got, a, I got a lot of that at first. Right. I got a lot of, a lot of just like flakes. And so it kind of just like, well, screw it. I'm just going to do this all myself. And uh, I just felt like if I did anything, it'd be a little bit of a waste of time. Um, but now I've got some people like setting uprights. So I don't have a publishing deal, but that's the next step. Like I've got, all right, tomorrow, I've got to write Thursday. I've got to write next week. And that's all set up via publish. I don't have a publisher company, but it's people have taken interest and they're like, Hey, we'll set you up with some, some writers in, in our rooms. So I'm like this. Um, so yeah, I definitely had found some in the, in that midst though, have found a couple of folks that I've enjoyed writing with and have written with them before again. Um, so it's not been just solely, solely me. What was your thought coming into 2021? You say as a businessman, you, yeah. you love that side of it. And so after what 2020 meant, what was your feeling coming into the new year? Were you excited? Were you down because of what happened last year? Where was your level of emotion coming into this sort of reopening? Yeah, I mean, I stay pretty optimistic. It takes a lot to really like knock me down. I don't, you know, it could be coffee. It could be pre-workout. I don't know what it is. Um, <laughs> but uh, and of course, I mean, I don't say that. I definitely had days where I'd call my dad. I'm like, I don't know what to do. You know, during 2020, I grabbed, you know, grabbed, went back to Del Frisco's. I worked at a greenery, just like watering plants and slinging mulch. I did what I had to do to survive. Um, but I stayed pretty optimistic, still released the songs, did the videos. Uh, so coming into 2021, 
I was very optimistic in the sense of that I could sense it took a couple months. It wasn't like January 1st, let's roll. Yeah, but for sure. There, there was a couple of things, you know, even, even without COVID, the music industry shuts down from about November to February, basically Thanksgiving to CRS. Right. Um, Cause everyone's just holidays or chilling, you know? And so even without COVID, it's normal for it to slow down and feel like you're not progressing. So right around that time um, is also when COVID was kind of looking up where they were like, Hey, we have a vaccine. Um, so I was optimistic in the sense of reaching back out to connections. Like I said, I, I, I'm still booking my own shows and doing my own thing. And that's what I've done in the be- since the beginning. But as far as getting in those doors as like, you know, publishing, and getting on some opening acts. So reconnected with some of the folks that I hadn't talked to in a while pre-COVID. So I was real optimistic, just trying to get a a good grasp of where everyone was. I remember having a meeting with one of my agents and I literally was like, I don't care if you're not working for me. I was like, I just wanna know what you're doing. Like, what is the sense? And again, not everyone everyone knew. Um, But I just wanted to kind of at least reach back out, let them know I was still alive, still doing the stuff. Um, and they're still in my corner. Like I said, in the beginning of this, uh, you know, interview, it's, it's everyone's copy and pasted the big dogs and the independent guys a little bit on the low side, but still very optimistic. Things are moving. It's already August, which is insane. Um, and I think as an independent artist, you kind of have to, it could, it could easily wear you down. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. Sure. Um, but you definitely, I don't know, celebrate the small wins and, I don't know. Gratitude is such a big part of my life of being like, you're, you're still technically doing this full time. Yeah. Like, you're still playing songs. You're still doing it. You might not be at the level you want to be at. However, there's also people who aren't even, you know, would kill to be in your shoes. And do you think you'd still be around if you didn't have that business focus to you? Not at all. No. Um, I mean, even at prime level, even if COVID wasn't a thing or whatever, I mean, that took a lot. I mean, that the, the going out and getting two different jobs to survive, I think was the businesses. Cause I mean, I think it was a matter of survival and could have either taken COVID as like, Oh, poor me. Or you could have been like, this is time to just focus up on other things, booking where you can. Um, so anyways. Right. And on the business side for you, you say, you know, the big fish are sort of getting the attention right now, but as stuff starts to normalize going into next year, what are your hopes for what the next year will hold for your career? Yeah, I hope it ends up not hoping it's going to end up this way. I promise. Um, Hopefully some festivals um, and some opening slots. That's, that's kind of the, we're working on that right now. Um, one thing from the Bobby thing is I, I got a manager and um, he's just, he's just kicking it. Like he's doing so it's just everything I've ever wanted, needed. Um, and I'm loving it. And so we were right on the cusp of, I think we we're like a month and a half in of just kind of getting the plan together. Oh, okay. And then certain things have already popped off. And yeah, so we're just trying to, play these these parts right and that all came from bobby um can't thank him enough for all that and that's the goal for maybe this year even is 
definitely those higher, you know, those, those shows of some festivals and opening, opening slots mostly this year, just because most of the festivals are already booked. Right. And even some, even some of 2022's festivals are already booked. Uh, I asked my guy WME, well, I don't know, maybe six, seven months ago. I was like, what are you doing? Like what, you know, I don't care that you're not working for me, but what are you doing? He was like, we're working on artist 2021A, artist 2021B plan, C plan. And then if all of that goes to crap, 2022, 23, I was like, all right. So I'm sure even 2022 is already probably taken, is already taken for some of this bigger stuff. So um, not going to be naive be like oh yeah i'm gonna be selling nissan out by 20 you know january <laughs> but at the same time just any progression would be would be great and what i'm looking for uh to just yeah not have to just set up your own equipment and uh do your own thing i mean those shows they pay and and you get to get out there and play you know play your music and stuff but that progression of showing up kicking butt and uh and moving on Thank you so much once again for listening and thank you to Kanan for stopping by and sharing his story. Be sure to head over to your favorite streaming service and listen to his entire musical catalog. Please also make sure to like, share, follow, subscribe to us on whatever streaming service you are listening on and also leave us a review of rating. Tell your friends, your family, your neighbors to come on over and have a listen. That support means the world. Thank you so much once again for listening and we'll see you next time on Country Music Made Me. Mm-hmm.